This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, the UK is reopening, dealing with COVID outbreaks. How about a little footy? We chat with our friend in the UK, Stephen Rossiter. We get in some inside information on what's going on with the Euros Championships and, of course, their reopening there as well. Andy Barrar is back with a shirt on on the shift this week, which is nice for us. It doesn't matter for you because the radio thing, but for us, we're on a Zoom call when we do the radio show. So we had to see that. Still have the retina burn, I think, from it. We chat about Uber, ride-sharing apps, having a hard time getting employees after the pandemic. Jeff Bezos is rich, and now he's going to be a space rocket man. And what's next for Amazon? Plus, are you okay with festivals or with breaking news? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay? In our conversation with Stephen Rosser there, he said there's a lot of festivals and big concerts going to happen. How about, are you okay with going to festivals? I've only been to one, one music festival, and it was kind of a shock because, well, I mean, I live in Calgary. There's not, there's like, there's like an EDM one and country ones, and that's not really my thing. But I went to one in Quebec City. My buddy and I were there to see Iron Maiden, and I was like, oh, Metallica's playing at a music festival. Let's go check that out. Little did I know. There was just under 200,000 people there, and it was yeah. one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life, and it was awesome, and I want to do it again really? one day. Yeah, it was amazing. It was so cool. I uh, I guess I've never really attended one. We've had to work them before, so I don't really have the attend it perspective. I've always had the escape the crowd into the you know, the backstage get away from the, the crowd thing. So I would say, A, I'm spoiled and grateful, and B, I don't know if I've ever really attended it from that perspective before. Huh. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way where I've worked them, I've set them up, I've teared them down, but I haven't really been able to go to one just to enjoy. Mm. Maybe I'll try that post-pandemic if they come back. Yeah. Um, all right, well, there's a truly unique festival that now that, you know, the mask mandates are are opening up, but you might want to protect yourself in other ways. Speaking of the Tyvek suit that we were just talking about, hundreds of swingers have made their way to a campsite in Lincolnshire, UK, for an annual swinging festival. Wow. Those swingers like to camp, by the way. Wow. Um, They're big tents. Yeah. Um, maybe swingers... We're there like this woman in her 60s. This is my playroom. Bigger the better. I invite lots of bot boys to come round and play. One there and one here. One in the middle and one there. And then one over there and one there. And then we'd have two at the end. Um, watching them probably. And then we all swap round. Do you think sex would be better if you were in love? Possibly. But then it could also be boring. But I choose to be swinging or in an unhappy marriage. No question, is it? Yeah. Swinging. Uh, okay, well. Oh, yeah. Well, A, two things. First of all, she's busy. Very. Uh, second of all, um, this. Uh, it's called Swingathon, and you can probably guess what happens at the Swingathon. It started Friday night despite coronavirus restrictions, which still mandate that no more than 30 people can meet outdoors. Wow, 30. Well, I, I guess okay. there's not a lot of social distancing. 
I would say, according to Yorkshire Live. Well, remember that Teresa Tam did say wear a mask when you have random sex with a glory holes or whatever that story was. Um, one festival attendee said that there were around 200 people at the festival and they said that 400 tickets have been sold. The four day festival costs 200 pounds per couple for the duration. It's 200 pounds for five minutes in some cases, I'm sure. Uh, the guests are apparently invited to sleep in luxury four-person tents while also enjoying hot tubs. Communal bathing. Ugh. Naked singers. Uh, enter a Miss and Mr. Swingathon 2021 competition. And because you have to have a Lincoln Park tribute band playing. Who gets down to Lincoln Park? <laughs> yeah. Look, Look, all I'm going to say is in the end, it doesn't really matter. Oh. 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 <laughs> or you could probably just say numb. Yeah. This yeah. story makes me crawling in my skin, there was, that's uh, for sure. Ooh. <laughs> I just want to say there's a line I forgot to write in here that there were mm-hmm. noise complaints being levied against this festival. Really? I could not get more information as to what particular noises, but I think we can. It's, it was probably Lincoln Park tribute band, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would just like to uh, for anybody who's going, why are they talking about swinging and sex on the shift? Well, here's why: uh, because we're we're not the only ones who think it's funny, because. I mean, our number one downloaded podcast of all time was the Glory Hole podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. So oh, Canadians on, are uh, a dirty bunch, eh? Yeah, Randy buggers you. Oh, well. I don't know if you have your little hedgehog in the front step, stoop, or you leave your garage door open a little bit or whatever your swinger signs are these days uh, that, you know... Uh, in the end, it's your prerogative to do mm-hmm. what it is. Just try to throw one more Lincoln Park thing in there. Are you okay? <laughs> Next time you hear a Lincoln Park song, you know what you're going to think of, right? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to be able to watch a Transformers movie ever again. Oh, what am I going to do? Are you okay with farming? And don't worry, I promise you, it has nothing to do with the previous story. Good. good. Uh, uh, it's essential. I, yeah, I'm okay it, with it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. I really am kind of getting into farming right now after watching Clarkson's Farm, the TV show. Uh, mm. It's fascinating. It's such amazing work they do and how they deal with the elements and the machines. Combines are insane. Like farming is mm-hmm. actually pretty neat. Yeah. My buddy Pat is a farmer and he runs his farm. He has all the cool machines and they do cattle in the winter, and yeah, I mean, he's been getting crushed here with the, the heat. But it's um, it's uh, it's it's a fascinating world. The, the the amount, the broad spectrum of stuff he knows. One day he's welding fence posts, right, and the next day he's calculating chemicals and fertilizers and seed, and then he's, you know, I don't know what you uh, configuring GPS routes for the tractors to get it all perfect like it's amazing the just the and then he sits down and does bookkeeping at the end of the day like it's the most amazing wide array of talented things that these people go through anyway if you want a prize of a thousand dollars at the age of 10 
Ryan would buy Lego and sneakers. Well, not sneakers. Uh, I didn't would... care about sneakers. It would just be no. a ten. It would be a thousand dollars worth of Lego at ten. Oh, Lego. Yeah. At 10. Yeah. Lego. All. Brendan Lego. Kelly would buy probably black T-shirts and eighties records. Yeah, they'd be new. If I was ten, they'd, still they'd be, be new. new music. <laughs> um. Okay. An Irish youngster named William Woods is not your average ten-year-old. He won a thousand euros in a Christmas draw, and right away he decided to buy five calves. He told Irish broadcaster RTE, "It's an amazing experience." I decided I love calves. They're my cows are my favorite animal, so why not buy some of these? And well enough, it turned out really well. These like lovely calves, like I love checking them, like. Make sure they're eating. Make sure they're healthy. Eating grass, all that stuff. Because if they're not eating, like they'll get sick. I can pet these calves every day, and these won't be going for another two years. So I'm really excited to see what these calves will bring. Like it's all great fun. Like thought it'd be less work. I think I thought you'd just put them in the field, feed the meal, and that's it. But like I'm actually quite pleased now. They have to do work because it's a new experience for me because I've never bought my own cattle before and like it's really fun like to have this experience because like you're so young and you're like thinking what am I doing like it's thought to me that you need to actually work for something because you can't just be sitting around on a sofa doing nothing oh my life's a mess you need to have something that you're passionate about I think. Can I introduce this kid to my kids? <laughs> yeah, what a what a kid. Oh, I love uh, that story. That's a beautiful story. He told the BBC Radio uh, Ulster's Evening Extra program, five of the cows were called Trixie, Audrey, Helen, Rebecca, and Hannah. William, who wants to be a farmer like his parents, said that he doesn't intend to stop with just six calves. I'm proud of myself for buying them, and I'll buy more next year. I'll rear these calves and sell them. And whenever they're sold, I'll have more uh, that will be a year old. That's great fun. And that's cool. I don't know if you know the 4-H programs. I would like to just shout out the 4-H programs. And, yes, it can be a little bit weird to raise a cow and blow dry its hair and shampoo it and brush it and then sell it uh, for someone to take it to a slaughterhouse. Um, I know that doesn't fit everybody's you know, definition of life. But I'll tell you this. Those kids... And A, they make a bunch of money doing it. They learn an awful lot about business and they learn how to care for animals. Well, except for selling them to the market part. Um, and they, um, but they do. And it's amazing. I've seen it. I lived in small town, Alberta, where there's, we bought and supported 4 H. And it's, it's an amazing program. If you have it in your community, maybe it's not right for you. And if it's not, that's cool. I'm not pushing it on anybody. I'm just saying, look at it. If you've got the grandbabies or the nieces and nephews or the young kids coming up, uh, you talk about wholesome. Some of those programs are pretty great. So, and what a neat story! Um, I could just listen to him read the phone book with his little accent. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And you could understand like it. That. That's the nice part. Well, too, wasn't that was surprising? Yeah. yeah. Um, did you want to pick one here, Ryan? Because uh, oh yeah, we yes. have time for both. We'll be all right. Are you okay? Are you okay with dinner parties? going to them but not really throwing them i'm not the greatest host i'm not very hospitable oh, really? could you imagine i know it doesn't well, seem you like, me. like people you in know. your bed so that's a start I just really hate that swingers festival yeah no i wouldn't definitely wouldn't 
Want to go to the Swingers Festival? I'm not a big Lincoln Park I'm really fan not either. into communal bathing, like that whole swingers and hot tub thing. Let's just be yeah, honest. That, that part Ugh. was gross. That's, that's gross. That was weird. As for dinner, um, though, I love going yeah. to dinner parties. Do you really? I love that. I did, yeah. There was this... Uh, I will share this story, knowing it will fully embarrass me for the rest of my oh. life, but nice. uh, there was this Christmas uh, dinner party that my ex-girlfriend uh, would uh, not host, but their family friends would host. And like, these are some beautiful, such nice people. They had a piano and everybody was singing songs. I was a little under the weather and I had seven glasses of champagne and oh. I had to have an incident in the kitchen sink in front of 40 people. And then we broke oh. up a few months later and I'm really happy. I never have to see any of those people ever again. And that Has was the last party. I went to. Yep, purged system purge. So I'm looking mm. forward to righting the wrongs of that one. Wow. Uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that uh, very, very colorful story. My pleasure. Okay, I like the backyard barbecue, casual dinner things. I don't like the fancy dinner parties. I'm not big on that. It's I don't know. Uh, although I like getting dressed up and going to do some fun things. So maybe that's it, too. Those parties can be a lot of fun. Nobody likes uninvited guests at dinner parties, especially really hungry ones. According to officials in Colorado, a bear was hungry and decided to hop onto a local home for some dinner. Hop into a local home for some dinner. <laughs> he didn't jump on the house. The bear ate the home's entire supply of cat food before leaving without even saying thank you. Of course, here's more from CBS4. We could see it climbing over the fence and then uh, coming over into our yard. A hungry bear spent his morning turning Petersdale Court into a food court. He might have been about 200 pounds. It came through Janice Cohen's yard twice, finding breakfast and lunch. I looked out the window and saw him raiding the bird food feeder. He was eating a tube full of peanuts. After foraging through backyards, this bear decided he'd rather dine in for dinner. I guess I was uh, a bit surprised that... He actually went into someone's house. Colorado Parks and Wildlife says the bear entered this home through an open window, devoured the cat food, and left the same way he came in. You hear about it a lot of times more in your, in your mountain towns where a lot of these homes or cabins probably don't have air conditioning. A bear relocated in Boulder last month was killed by a vehicle on its way back to a known area with food. I guess they're hungry for some reason this time of year. I guess they're hungry for some reason. Uh, yeah, they're bears. They're always hungry. Bears need to eat 20,000 calories a day to get ready for winter. Uh, that's a lot of berries, really. Officials want locals to bear-proof their homes. And that very hungry bear has still not been found. How do you bear-proof you... a home? <sighs> that's a good question. Lock the door. Or a window, in this case. Mm -hmm. Are you okay? Are you okay with breaking news? I feel like it's lost its luster. I remember years ago, yes, it used to it be has. like for actual breaking news, and now it's like, yeah. it's just like whatever. Breaking news, you'd, you, you'd be like, ooh, breaking news, what's going on? And now it's just at the bottom of the headline all the time, like ticker, blah. oh, look, breaking news, something happened four days ago, but nothing's happened since. Right? Yeah. Lot, losing luster, that's a good way of putting it. I will say as a news anchor, though, when you get to play your first breaking news uh, sound, oh, that's a good, that, that was a good day.
<laughs> One news cool. team in the States was responding to breaking news, and things got a little out of hand. WRAL News was covering a car chase from earlier in the day when they became part of one. A man stole the reporter's new car and promptly crashed it into a police car. Here's more from WRAL News Breaking Now. Breaking news this morning involving a suspect stealing a WRAL News crew vehicle and crashing into a state trooper's cruiser. This happened while reporter Keenan Willard and photographer Lucas Nelson were reporting on an earlier high-speed chase in Chatham County. The suspect is the third man wanted in connection with that chase. Keenan tells us the man came up after their 11 p.m. report offered cash for a ride to a gas station. When Keenan told him they could not do that, the man jumped in the car and drove off on U.S. Highway 64. A trooper saw what happened and drove off in pursuit. After about five minutes, the man crashed head-on into a trooper's car and was taken into custody. No one was hurt in that crash. I think we just acknowledge the fact that he asked first. He said, can he, I get a ride? Yeah. And then he went, well... We're doing this the hard way. I don't well, know then he took it on himself. Well, I mean, I, okay. Can I get a ride? No. Okay. Take the car. Like, at least he asked first. I mean, that's worth something, isn't it? A polite thief. Uh, the North Carolina State Highway Patrol confirms all four people involved have been taken into custody. So there you go. This is the Shift Podcast. Stephen Rossiter, all the way across the Atlantic. Why? Well, there's so many things going on. We've got some good news. We've got some concerning news. There's some political opinion of everything that's going on. How did we meet Stephen? Stephen is our friend. Stephen, we met through Highland Titles out of Scotland. The HighlandTitles.com is where you can become a lord or a lady uh, or a laird. Um, and so on with, uh, with, uh, they have a nature reserve where you can get a little plot of land. And that's how we met Stephen originally. And he's been contributing to the shift ever since. So check out highlandtitles.com. You'll learn more about Stephen and, and his group there, uh, in there. Stephen, how are you? I'm good, Shane. How you doing? Oh, it's, you know, things are feeling more like life again. Uh, we were just saying on the shift earlier how it feels like so long ago, like time is a fog and it just blasts you it by is- and you, don't really realize how much time has gone past. It's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible to think we're sort of 15, 18 months into this uh, pandemic mm-hmm. now. And it's just, where has the time gone? Well, let's uh, let's start there, Stephen. How are things going? Your prime minister, he got married and he looks happy. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he seems to be kind of walking on air a little bit in his personal well, life. Well, yeah. He uh, walks with his bride. He, he's doing well. He spoke to the to the nation last night and told us that uh, from the 19th of July, uh, that's it. Uh, we are free to do what we want. No more laws. Um, basically take uh, risk the management ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, everything should be opening up. Uh, we have hospitalizations way down now. We have uh, deaths uh, way down. Um, we do have cases rising um but it's important i think to note that people seem to to focus on whatever the big number is so Mm -hmm. um at the moment the big number for us is the number of positive cases um but in relation to the number of hospitalizations it is quite low so for instance if i tell you as of yesterday we tested 1.2 million people 
during the day. And we had 27,000 new cases discovered mm-hmm. and 1,500 hospitalizations. So out of the 1.2 million, that's a 2%, two and a quarter percent people with the positive case. If you roll back to the 1st of January, which was when uh, the the peak, there was a, another peak, we were only testing 400,000 people at that time. And we had 61,000 positive cases with 27,000 hospitalizations. Wow. So, you know, people are, I, I look on, various websites and i see england in the red because of the number of hospitalizations and um lots of countries saying well we don't want anybody from the uk coming because you've got twenty-seven thousand cases so i sometimes wonder whether we're doing ourselves a a favor by testing so many people by testing yeah. 1.2 million people so i did I, 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 it was very difficult i did i was trying to do a bit of research knowing i was coming on your program i thought let me just see if i can find out what's going on in canada just to yeah. try and do a bit of research and the only thing i could find in sort of comparison was that so the uk is testing 15.82 people per thousand mm-hmm. if that makes any sense yep. and canada is testing 1.6 per thousand so yeah, our numbers are lower in general right now. Like our, you've our only dip got is different. Six cases, according yeah, to I, um, the website. Yeah, as I was of looking at. yesterday, yesterday it was three hundred and eighty-one new ones, uh, as last yeah. reported. And so, yeah, so but we're at a different place in the dip, and they talk about the you Delta are, thing and testing. And, and of course, you've got you've only got half the the population. I mean, you're right. thirty-seven million, aren't you? About thirty-seven and a half million population. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. And we're about sixty-six and a half. So, you know, and it, so people are never comparing, uh, as an English saying, apples with apples. You know, and right. so yeah, no, that's uh, true. It becomes it, just it, such it, a convenient really storyline. Yeah, you can look at the figures, I think, and take them in any way you can. And I think what our government has done, and I have to agree with them. I'm very much on their side, and I, I would say that the the UK nation is probably split fifty fifty, as it has been a, quite a lot through this pandemic. But I have to agree that at some point you have to look at the economy and look at everything else and say, if we don't unlock now, when will we unlock? And that's basically what Boris was saying yesterday. If we don't do it now and start actually trying to rebuild the economy, trying to give people some of their jobs back. You know, the hospitality industry have quoted that one million jobs will be lost due to this pandemic. That's one Mm -hmm. million people's livelihoods have been yeah, ruined. People, so many things closing. Well, one thing, Stephen, that I mean, we always seem to forget is that this yeah. has always been about hospitalizations anyway, right? As long as the it hospitals has. can function, that's all it's been about. And if the hospitalizations are, are, are where it's at, then, then it's good. So the, the federal mandate of opening up is what's happening over in the UK. In uh, Canada, we do not have a federal mandate to open up. Uh, two of the provinces have opened. We have Alberta and British Columbia now that have that have basically, uh, for the most part, reopened in Alberta, the province that I'm in. We are officially, as of Canada Day, which is July 1st, we are 100% no mandate, nothing anywhere um now and many people are saying it's a little early i I, there the calgary stampede is happening starting later this week and uh i'm all for reopening it does seem a little soon to have such a tourist invite holy cow 
you know, event. So like a week later, I mean, I, I'm all for reopening and I, I agree with you about business. It kind of makes me go Ooh, pretty quick, yeah, right? I, 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 it's probably making a lot of people go because we've had 15 months of, of pretty much, you know, totalitarian, you know, you know, this uh, being told what to do and we're not used to that. Yeah. We really no. aren't. And some, you True. know, and, and, and a, a lot of the younger people over, over here in the UK for sure have just, you know, when they're, you see them being interviewed and that they're just saying enough's enough. You know, mm-hmm. we, 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 you know, we need to get our lives back. And yeah. this, it, this is a dreadful disease. I'm absolutely dreadful, but it, it, a, the younger people can survive it. The vast, vast majority of those who are at risk have now been vaccinated, certainly here. And I think actually also in Canada, I think you are leading the way in the vaccination um, process. First on dose, one not dose. second dose. The, yeah, on we get one, dose. Okay. one dose we're leading the way, yeah. yeah. So, well, that's amazing. That, the uh, the perspective dose, is quite you, interesting. some protection. Yeah, and it's not everything, but we're getting closer, and it's kind of cool. Uh, okay, well, let's switch gears here. Stephen Rossiter yep. joins us from the UK, and um, there are so many good things. Uh, let's talk of the footy. I don't know Dave, anything about, about it. Football. I yes. um, I'm I'm not a soccer fan, as we call it in Canada. I, I don't okay. really watch it. I have some people okay. that I've recently met and been doing some work with who are in England, and everybody is very excited. Can you give us the understanding about why? Um, the UK is just why well, England is just so lit up in particular about what's going well, on we're right very, now. We're very much um, a, a bit like uh, in the United States, American football drives people wild over here. It's soccer, as you call it. And we call it football. Um, and it, it does absolutely grip the nation. So this we it's the first time since 1996 that England have have reached the semi-finals of a major tournament, a major tournament being the Euros or being the World Cup. Uh, if we beat Denmark on Wednesday, and it is a big if, uh, but if we beat Denmark on Wednesday, then it will be the first time we've reached the final of a major tournament since 1966, the year I was born and the year we won the World Cup. I find that hard to believe because that's all you hear well, is that England is such a powerhouse. Thank you very much. Jack. No, not that part. <laughs> <laughs> the part that's uh, the part that you guys just haven't been able to make it. Uh, it's kind of like Canadian teams in the NHL not making it to the playoffs, which finally this year a Canadian team is in the final. Uh, but it, it seems hard to believe that Canadian teams don't make the NHL finals. It seems hard to believe that England of all football nations doesn't make it into yeah. you know the the last round always. It seems strange. I to agree. Me. We always seem to we lose on penalty. Penalties is our downfall. Yeah, that's well, the the thing. A bunch and of hooligans. The, the, the that's last why. time we were in, I don't know whether. Um, uh, so our manager is Gareth Southgate. Um, he's the, the the hero at the moment because he's the the coach of the team. And um, in the last time we were in the semi-finals, we got knocked out on penalties, and it was because Gareth Southgate missed a vital penalty. Oh, so oh. there's a little bit of. Uh, um, uh, sort of retribution that we need to get back from this. He needs to clear that. So wow. I, I think I think we will get the job done on Wednesday without it needing to go to penalties. Um, wow. It's going to be at Wembley. It's going to be quite a crowd there, and that will get behind them. And this team, there's a bit of a difference with this team in the way that the way they are playing. Certainly, the defense is very good. We're the only team left in the Euros and that have not yet conceded a goal throughout the whole of the tournament. Hmm. 
So nobody has managed to score against us. We've only we've won every game apart from one, and that was against Scotland. So they're 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 <laughs> that's quite funny as well. So we're uh, yeah we're we're looking good. Do you get <laughs> torn good. because of your your work with Highland yeah, titles a little in bit. Scotland and then you grew bit, up in but England? I was born in I was born in London, and so my roots are very much in the England camp. I have to say. So mm. although I did watch the Scottish English game in Scotland. And had to stay fairly quiet. Um, yeah, the uh, I, my roots are very much in England, so huh. it's interesting. Do you like watching the football outtakes, like the the biggest fails? Because to me, when it comes oh, to yeah. those those TV shows, the biggest fails, <laughs> the football fails are always the best ones. They really are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, I've been at some games as well with some. Of, I mean, you know, missing of an open goal, things like that. Yeah, there's uh, there's a fair few of those. Yeah, they're quite fun, ah, but they're all human. It's it shows they're human. I guess so. They make enough money. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, yeah, this is amazing. I, I love the perspective. Um, what like is there anything else that's really going on in your world right now? We've met a band and made friends with a band from England called Blonde. Blondes, Ryan, oh, okay. or bl- Blondes? Blondes and Blondes um, with an S. So, blondes with an S. Not the Blondes, just Blondes. And uh, they're quite yeah. fantastic. They, they've they've made a uh, a bit of a name for themselves, and they're starting to play shows again. And getting ex- uh, getting excited for that. Are, are are you seeing that life turning back to normal now? Yeah, there's 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 news of uh, concerts starting up there. Um, so at the end of August, uh, there are two rock festivals, big ones that happen in the United Kingdom in Leeds and in Reading, and both of those are due to be going ahead. Um, in fact, I mean, from what Boris said yesterday. All cons- there's going to be no restrictions on numbers. Nightclubs are going to reopen. I mean. You know, the, as much as I'm pleased, there is a little bit of, under, you know, of me saying, is this too much too quickly? Mm-hmm. But I will continue to wear a mask in enclosed spaces, um, even though it won't be the law. I'll continue to wear a mask and, on the That's subway exactly and the um, same as public me, transport. Yeah. And I think, you know, and but at the moment, you know, if I was in on a on a train in a carriage where there was nobody else apart from me and maybe one person sat at the back and the guard, I could still be fined if I didn't wear a mask. Now, that will stop. So if I am mm-hmm. the only person in the carriage, I could take my mask off and not be arrested and fined, um, which I think is the right thing. You know, if, mm-hmm. the, if it's all about the protection of yourself and the protection of others. And, you know, if you're on your own, do you really need to wear a mask? And also, also we should remember is this culture has been going on in the Far East for a long time. Masks oh, are not mandatory in China or in Hong Kong or Personal responsibility. Japan, anywhere. But you travel, I've traveled the Hong Kong metro system quite a few times, and the majority of people are wearing a mask mm-hmm. on that. It's amazing. It's amazing when people law, are responsible for their health. And I think it would just right? be a cultural change. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see a lot of it. It's interesting, um, too, that, you know, we, well, we, I was at hockey this weekend with my son, and most everybody in the arena that was not mandated there uh, was not wearing them. There was a bunch of people that did. And it's just like, how's it going? You I mean, you have a conversation. I had a conversation with a husband and a wife. He had his off. She had hers on. And we just had a normal conversation. And I just don't understand why, as humans, that's something to argue about. That just makes no sense to we me. Should it's be, mind we, blowing. Sh- we should not discriminate a, against people who decide to wear masks. Um, it is a. It should be a personal choice. Mm-hmm. And we should respect that choice as much as if I was maybe with somebody and they said to me, look, do you mind wearing a mask? You know, cause I'm a little bit anxious. I'd put my mask on, you know, well, 
Definitely. We take our shoes off in Canada anyway. I know in America they don't always wear house shoes, but when you go to a, a friend's house and they say, will you take off your shoes, please, you're going to take off your shoes. I don't understand how that's any different. When you go into a restaurant and they say no shirt, no shoes, no service is kind of the thing that you see on the doors here, yeah. uh, then you're, you're going to make sure you have a shirt on and respect it. I just don't understand why it's a big deal. There was a really, really good phrase that um, was put out there that I uh, sent it out, just retweeted out. It was, you know, somebody who's wearing a mask isn't afraid, and someone who doesn't wear a mask isn't like an anti-government hater. They're just people that are making their personal choice, and why can't we live with that? You know, it's neat, Stephen, because here we are uh, so far apart uh, global, on, geographically, and yet we are going through the exact same thing through... Um, through all of this hey uh it's we great are. to see your face my friend and thank Don't you for be being frightened here by the numbers that's what i want to tell people. well yeah well do the do the work right look into or, the, what's actually going out. on yeah have a look and see what the numbers actually mean because the media exactly. over here are just they all they're interested in is the number of positive cases they're yeah. not telling us any more about the number of hospitalizations they're not really reporting the deaths anymore and mm. that concerns me because it concerns me because I fear that there's an underlying mandate that they're trying to frighten us. They well, cannot report the fact that hospitalizations are low. That cannot be a headline. It cannot yeah. be a headline that deaths are now in single figures or have been in single figures for the last seven days. That can't be a headline. That's right. The headline has to be... It doesn't sell newspapers, Stephen. 27,000 new positive cases. Yeah. Not even the percentage to say, actually, we're testing 1.2 million. So... You know, yeah. so the more people we test, the more, you know, positive cases we're going to find. And it, that that concerns me that the, yeah. there seems to be this underlying sort of point that the media have to give the 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 larger of the figures and not the, uh, you know, not the positive side. Well, it's exactly what we try to do here on the shift is talk about the I'm things sure that really do, do matter. And and uh, and you know what, Stephen, I, I am so great to see your face. Uh, good luck with your team this week. Uh, Dave, let me know how you. it goes. Send me some messages and we'll keep in touch. Don't Stephen Rossiter. Thursday morning if we win. That's all I say. <laughs> Fair enough. Steven <laughs> Rossiter is with HighlandTitles.com. You can go check out his website and see what they've got in their nature reserve. And maybe you can become a lord like me. I'm technically now, thanks to Stephen Lord Shane Hewitt. Um, thanks, brother. Have a great week. It's great to see you again. Same, same to you, Shane. It's the Shift Podcast. It's time for us to take our shirts off, tarps off, and get ready for Disco Andy. All right, so the plot thickens here with Andy Barrar. And not only do we have Disco Andy stories about him in Vegas, but we also, uh, it was so hot. How hot was it, Shane? It was so hot. Andy came to the shift last week on our, because we're all on a Zoom call so we can see each other because we're all in different cities. Uh, he came to our Zoom call shirtless and, uh, and uh, trying to cool down, but it was clearly hot because we could see Andy how hot like you were. You could see, uh, you know, the sweat, right? Like it was, it was so incredibly hot. And uh, we actually had a, a bet here on the shift was uh, shirt or no shirt, tarps or no tarps uh, for Andy Barrar Andy Bar- this week. But you have returned back to being shirted for the show. Welcome back. First of all, it was 36 and a half degrees inside my house. There was an actual heat dome where I was living and I, and you guys are like my friends. So I'm like, you know what? It's just like hanging out with my friends. Yep. It's hot. I got to talk was, with these guys with my shirt off. 
It was all good. We um, we uh, we're we're comfortable with it. It was great. You're just never gonna live it down because that's just the kind of friends we are. Um, that being said, I will admit that it was. I was walking downstairs because I'm in townhouse, right? So I was on the main floor, and I was like, "Oh, it's chilly in here." And I put a sweater on, and I walked by the thermostat. It was twenty six point five. And I found it chilly. That's how climatized we've become after that heat last week. So it changes us. I know. It's like we, I see the weather and I'm like, oh, it's just 27. I'm like, this is nothing. It's just you're right. It's just amazing. Once you see the extremes, you can start to appreciate, you know, different types of, of weather. But, I, you know, it's been another crazy thing was it's been so hot that I now jump rope outside without my shirt on. And I made a video and then mm-hmm. I got so much that. attention from it. People were, and then it wasn't like my, my jump rope skills. It was just that I didn't have my shirt on. And yeah, wow. Well, yeah. So we get the I'm, odd I'm text message now. here after people Google you and they're like, Ooh, Andy, Andy Barrar, he's handsome. Hello, Andy. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should call the segment now. We'll call it Hello, Andy. <laughs> Instead, you're so shy. I'm like, I'm just supposed to be the handyman. Remember what Red yeah. Green said us? Yeah, the Red Green show. He goes, Remember, kids, yeah. if the women don't find you good looking, they should at least find you handy. Yeah, and and yeah, I, they don't I, find I took you that, handsome. I took that to heart. I took yeah. that to heart. Well, you are handy, except for the fact that not only did the heat wave kill your shirts, they killed your blueberries. So tell us what's going on with your watering problem. See, Shane, I was having so much luck. Okay, first of all. During the pandemic, I just happened to get uh, acquire a lot of cedar panels from an old fence. So what do I do? I created these raised garden beds. Then next thing you know, I met a guy. I got a mushroom farm or a mushroom manure guy. So he gave me a whole mm-hmm. pickup truck for a mushroom for 20 bucks. So I'm like, wow, I'm on a roll. I'm like, now I just need a blueberry guy. So I started asking my friends, I need a blueberry guy. And someone's like, I have a friend who's a blueberry farmer. We become friends. So it's like all the planets were aligned. Everything was perfect. I get these blueberry bushes. I put them in. They're looking great. And then the heat dome comes. And I don't think these blueberry bushes are going to survive. They are pretty much dead. All the Yeah. So now I didn't get mad. I was like, okay, it looks like I got to keep going on this whole self-watering system. Because mm-hmm. one side of my house, and you got to, for all the listeners out there, Go to media.com. I made a, a blog uh, showing exactly what's going on. You have one side of my house where the, the water spigot is. It's got beautiful like vegetation. And then you look on the other side and it's just a desolate like, you know, graveyard of dead blueberry plants. So basically, I'm going to do this DIY um, setup of trying to split, you know, your, your standard water comes out on most houses have it. I'm going to try to split that into two four zones so a total of eight zones and technically shane it's it should work right it's kind of like when you're inside and you have like a power bar and then you connect mm-hmm. another power bar to a power bar yeah you, like Clark technically Griswold you shouldn't style. do it yeah. yeah yeah you shouldn't do it but it, it still kind of works well i'm going to be trying to do the same thing with water and uh, if you go to my website anybody you can see exactly i made an entire video showing the problem that i'm having but Shane, if I get this working, that's four extra zones, four different types of gardens I can make. So that that uh, strawberry thing you said, the pear, the pyramid, the strawberry mm-hmm. pyramid design that you sent me. Yeah, I'm thinking if I can get this water thing working by the end of this summer, that'll be my next DIY project in the spring of 2022. 
So let's acknowledge Steve, because Steve did send that to me. Uh, Red Green is actually a friend of the shift, by the way. He's been on the show before. So if you need a little help there, we can reach out oh. to him. And, oh. uh, yeah, so we can do that. And before we move on from this, I just want you to acknowledge when you got your blueberry plants, uh, Andy, what kind of plants did you trade for them? Well, okay. So the first round of blueberry plants, I paid him like 10 bucks for like 12 of them. And then we got to kind of talking and, he, I was like, so is there anything else you want to grow? And he's like, why? What, what, what do you grow? And I'm like, well, you know, you know how you're allowed to have cannabis plants? He's like, yeah. I'm like, and we're allowed to have four of them? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I have eight. You want four? I'll trade you four blueberry plants for four cannabis plants. Or no, no, it was like 12 blueberry bushes for four cannabis plants. He's like, okay. So uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're buddies now. So I know exactly <laughs> what I need to grow <laughs> to get more blueberry bushes. Oh dear. So, so I'm right. not worried about that. I got to just set up the self-watering uh, system because I'm the weakest link in all this because I don't water. I, I get yeah. so used to automated watering that I forget to water. Altogether. Well, and I need you to get it figured out because my pineapples on the front step, um, because it's so hot, they're direct sunlight all day and the pineapples love it, but all the other flowers don't, but really only a couple of days before they need water. So I want to get it set up. So I look forward to your video, handyandymedia.com. Let's switch gears into the tech and the geeky stuff here. Andy Barrar, uh, so many people went to find part-time jobs through the pandemic just anything to get the work done. I did it a little over a year ago to get some work done. I was stacking groceries in a grocery warehouse. So I'm not the only one. Everyone else has uh, found different things to do too. But some people aren't coming back to their old jobs. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, and it all has to do with ride sharing. So Uber and Lyft, two of the most popular ride sharing, and this is especially happening in the US. I'm not sure exactly what's going on in Canada, but those drivers that stopped driving during the pandemic because of fears, you know, the travel and everything went down, um, they're not coming back. And it's quite fascinating why they're not coming back. Because you know what happened, Shane? They shifted. They shifted their work and said, okay, I'm not around. I'm going to deliver food because that's the one way that people could su support restaurants. But here's mm -hmm. the thing, Shane. When you deliver food, you don't have to talk to them. It, it's shorter distances. You don't have to, like, drive someone to the airport. So yep. they were making more money without using the food. They also don't no-show. Groceries don't no-show. That's right. right. So so now what Uber and Lyft are having a big, and you're going to see this, a huge ad campaign, probably like videos on YouTube and other social media, where they're going to start trying to get drivers back. They'll, they'll do these case studies about how flexible it is for your work. But another thing is, is that, Many of these drivers aren't really like sold on the whole gig economy because what Uber did is when they first started, they paid out pretty good. Then they started doing surge pricing. And then what they paid drivers actually varied based upon the demand. And a lot of the drivers got frustrated with that because you just really didn't know how much you were going to make during a drive. So what is happening is a lot of those people who got other types of jobs, whether they went back to an office they're just not coming back to, to the ride sharing. And I think a lot of it has to do with these companies have to do a better job of taking care of those employees. Because you got to remember, they're technically not even employees. So your car is going to depreciate. That's yeah. on you. All they do is just pay you for those drives. Well, a subcontract employee would be one thing. Um, I think that the wear and tear of someone barfing in your backseat uh, versus you know, just groceries in your backseat, that would be another thing. And that surge pricing has always made me curious because so many people know what this busy 
times are, right? Trying to get into the good times, the lucrative times becomes harder and harder. And then you end up with so many drivers in these surge times that you just don't get the same kind of fares that you used to get too. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. And this is part of the shift though. I mean, would you want to go back to an office job after, after the pandemic? I, I really don't. Uh, I don't think I, I just the whole concept of commuting it just seems so foreign now. You, you think about yep. how much time we used to spend just moving from point A to point B when we have demonstrably shown that we had the technology to do it at home. And a lot of people have converted a room or an extra room into a home office, myself included. So, uh, yeah, it would be really hard to go back into a traditional office these days. Do you know one of the biggest booming businesses right now because of uh, this pandemic? Do you know what it is? Take a guess. Other than Amazon? Other than Amazon, it is actually teeth whitening, Botox, collagen injections, and facelifts. Because we and that's are all because staring. Because of the video conferencing. Because the video conferencing and the angles in the video conferencing, people are seeing themselves going, oh my God, I need a little lift here. I need some collagen in my lips so they're more plump. And they're doing it. And people are getting it done. And teeth whitening is another one. Yeah, so the teeth looks, their teeth, teeth look whiter and brighter. It's fascinating. And you know what's interesting, Shane, is we've had video conferencing for years. Like Skype had been around for so long. Skype had been around so long, Microsoft bought it and screwed it up. You know, that's how long Skype mm -hmm. we had Skype. But it took a pandemic and Zoom for us to suddenly adopt video conferencing. And this post-pandemic, this is the way we communicate. It's like the Jetsons. It finally happened, you know, having that ability to just have like those virtual calls face-to-face. And what I'm wondering is going to happen is business travel. Will business travel go back up where people are going to start spending? Or am I going to see like traditional big tech conferences just go back online, stay online? Um, that'll be an interesting thing to see post-pandemic. Well, I, I would guess that unless it's essential to build the relationship or to lock down the deal, there's going to be a lot less of those quick trips where you can do them on you know on the conference call because the technology is very much there now you did say amazon was one of the things that uh, might have had the biggest impact on the pandemic that could be although amazon itself is seeing a big change as uh, their boss becomes a spaceman that's right today is the last day that jeff bezos the ceo and founder of amazon is going to be um, on 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 Amazon or part of the CEO of Amazon, so it's going to move over to the Amazon Web Services CEO. I believe his name is Andy Jassy. So after 27 years, um, that's how long we've had Amazon. Jeff Bezos is not only leaving Amazon; he's leaving Earth with his Blue Origin. He's taken his brother, and now he's going to go into space exploration. And the big thing, Shane, is we got to look on what is his legacy going to be? Of course, he changed the way that we shop. But the culture, I think, of Amazon and how they treat their workers, again, another example, is probably what might be his legacy because there's just a lot of frustrated people that work at Amazon. It's, it, like he changed e-commerce. He created e-commerce. And how... To, to feed that beast requires workers and the productivity type of quotas that they have and, and the culture that they have in their warehouses have, there's been a lot of suspicion that it's not a nice place to work. So that's the, I think Shane is going to be the big question because he's going to still be around. He's a billionaire. He's going to do billionaire stuff like try to go to space, 
But what what is Amazon post Bezos going to look like? Will they start treating their employees better? That's the big question I'm going to be watching for. My bet. It'll be the largest airline in the world in five years. Here's some numbers. You know what? I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Amazon will have a fleet of 85 planes by the end of 2022. It's a long ways away from FedEx. FedEx has 679 planes. UPS has 572, you know, owned, leased, chartered, so on. So Amazon's a long way away, but they've been adding and adding and adding, and that's going to be the key. It's going to be Prime Air, Amazon Air, and I will say that it will be the biggest airline in the world, my guess, this is only a guess, in five years, and I, maybe they start flying people. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe just go on to Amazon. You want to buy your ticket. You can. There's literally planes going everywhere. You know, cargo is the lucrative part of it. That's why we're seeing WestJet and these other airlines get into cargo. And um, and yeah, I, I, that's my guess. I think that's what we're going to see next. It makes a lot of sense to me. If they could deliver parcels, they could deliver human beings as well. Like they got the logistics back in to make that happen. So you know what? That was a great guess. I, I totally agree with you. They will probably, they already, they, they went from books to selling everything. So it's no surprise that they would take on something like, you know, the airline industry when their former, now former CEO is already trying to venture into space, quite literally. All right. Uh, Jeff Bezos is moving on. I used to have a, a business. It was called Mega Bodega, by the way. And it was in like 2006 and we sold everything for other vendors, and then I gave up on it. Screwed that up, didn't I? HandyAndyMedia.com. If you go check out his website, you can uh, see all the videos of him shirtless and watering his plants and so much more, including tech reviews. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for being here, brother. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.